welcome to this, the Legion of Myth live stream. I am your first host, Alex Garthon Marsh. With me, as always, is Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, and hope you have a good time, and we, I hope that we find you well. Uh, our show has, a, has, again, a special segment, and uh, Garthon's going to tell us what that is, but uh, I'm going to have a whole lot of comments afterward, because I went on the on, on the YouTubes and watched uh, Max Liao's full gameplay on the game that he is, uh, You're he getting is uh, reviewing. You're getting all ahead of the order we do things. I know, I know, but I'm so, I'm so excited to talk after this, because I, I watched him play, and I can't wait to describe it to people. He's talking about our first segment today, which will be Max Leo's Celestial Wisdom, reviewing the long journey home. Up next, we're going to have Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma, his Shadowrun extravaganza of excitement. And last up today is Garthon's comic pull. We're going to talk about Secret Empire and Dr. Aphra. Haven't heard in from her for a while. And in the RNG segment, which we'll kick at the end off of our show, we are going to talk about such exciting topics as we'll let you know then. But I'm going to sneak in some Final Fantasy XIV stuff because that has been on my mind. All right. Expansion's coming. There's been big newsletters from Yoshi P talking about what's going on. The white mages are angered. I am a white mage. So, but since I am a white mage, I must let you all know about peace and love and nature and the disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or even offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. I feel safer already. I do. I feel like a big safe hug has just been wrapped around me. A big, legally binding safe hug. Mutually accepted and welcomed in writing. As always, you can check out Legion of Myths videos. We, not just the live stream, but all the other exciting videos we do throughout the week. Reviews, play-alongs, play walkthroughs. Well, not really. Uh, we don't have walkthroughs. We could. We might someday. The you could all, Well, we do walkthroughs of... Well, those are playthroughs of Star Trek Online Foundation missions. Those are kind of like walkthroughs in a way. Uh, but you can yeah. check us out on YouTube. New videos every single day of the week at youtube.com slash c slash legion of myth. You could check us out on Twitch. You could be joining us right now at all the frivolity and fun that is experiencing right now, right at this moment, at 8 Central, 9 Eastern on the Twitchers, uh, twitch.tv slash legion of myth. You could also check us out on Reddit. We have a subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash legion of myth. It is proudly moderated by Heathen Dog. Thank you, Heathen Dog. Yay! Uh, also, of course, you can check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Myth. Go ahead and talk to the kids there. The kids being Garth on Heathen Dog, Max Liao. Also, you can check us out on yeah, Messenger. You can follow us at Twitter, at Legion of Myth. We'll have a little Tweety party there. And that is all the communications you can take. We have an email address, too, but, you know, good luck. So right now, everyone... I'm going to give you that thing which will improve your lives. Is it yoga? No. Is it hatha yoga? No. Is it hot yoga? No, I told you, my friends, it is not yoga. It's not even Pilates. It's not CrossFit, nor is it any sort of circuit training except for your brain. It is heathen dogs. Shatter. <laughs> heathen dogs. Heathen dogma. 
All right. All right, everyone, be, before we leave this, uh, the splash screen, uh, which of course I want you to note is based on first and second edition rules. I, the last several, several times I've, I've done this segment, I've spoken about the archetypes and I've done two at a time just because it seems, seems right, seems natural. Uh, we talked about the popular ones. We talked about good ones, bad ones. We, we talked about ones that people don't play enough. We talk about ones that people play too much. Today, we're going to talk about two archetypes that I think, why are they here? These are the dumb ones. Check them. That's really not a nice one. How about the pointless ones? No, I'm going to go with dumb. Oh, Just they can't hear. Dumb. Uh, well, then they, they can't sue. Actually, dumb is can't speak. Sorry. I apologize. There you go. That's true. All right. Now, uh, the first one is rocker slash entertainer. In the, in the first and second edition, it was rocker. Now, you are a, a professional or semi-professional uh, musical artist. Why? Why is this a thing? I can I answer mean, that. Go ahead, please. Tell me. It's a very common archetype in cyberpunk literature. Yes, but... In, in the world of Shadowrun, you have to dump so much into being a you don't dump so much of your character creation into being a successful artist. You cannot be a successful Shadowrunner. That's true, but you know what? There's always someone who wants to play the bard. Bards at least help everyone else. Not really in Second Edition. Okay, but in, uh, in, in a rocker is helping. No, I'm no, I'm gonna get no. I'm get back well, we could get to that later. No, we're getting to that later. Okay. And uh, the next one is a burned out mage. A, a burned out mage is a, is a, a mage or, or that started out, he was young, he had his full magic attributes, something happened, uh, he, lost, he lost a point of magic and psychologically he never recovered and to, to get back the power he lost, he put in some cyberware, lost some more magic. It was a, it was a snowball effect. Why do you want to start out like that? Why do you want to start at the bottom? Literally, literally, there's nowhere to fall to. You're at the bottom of your game. You are, like I said, a sad sack. Do you want to role play that? Why? Why? There's no reason for that. That that happens either you deliberately do that to your character or it happens through gameplay. You don't start out that way. That's stupid. But There's first, always someone who wants to though. Uh, no. I've never Usually the same guy who no. played the bard last game. No, literally nobody in any any Shadowrun game I've played outside of a con which someone had to play a rocker because it was part of that particular story. No one ever chose to I swear to God, in in in, in that con we Rochambeau for who had to play the rocker. Right? I I probably would have chosen the rocker. I, yes. I played rockers. And everyone around you would have given you a great sigh of relief because no one else wanna play it. All right. Now we're gonna rockers take a look. Long... Role playing intensive, my friend. Yes, but they're but they're uh, um... they're mechanically weak. But that's not their strong useless. Point. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going with useless. I'm go ahead, go with but useless. that's not where you, why you want a rocker on your team. I'm, okay, now let, we'll let's get take to that longer, when we get to that. Let's take a longer look at the rocker. All right. Now, what's the good stuff about a rocker? Well, if you want to play Shadowrun without Shadowrunning, you can play a rocker. What is what is a Shadowrun? It is, you are a Shadowrunner uh, goes on goes on missions. He gets paid to do something illegal or quasi legal and then take whatever he has uh, gotten, stolen, acquired to a, to a fence or a middleman to get to the person that paid him to do that, then he gets the money. That's the thing. Now, 
to do that, a certain level of anonymity is expected. You are not that. You are not that. I'm sorry, man. You're, you're famous or at the very least semi-famous. People are going to know you on site. And that's just dumb. That's, that's not a shadow runner. Now, you need a very specific campaign. And the only one I can think of, I'll, I'll, open, the, I'll open an idea for you in a minute, Garthon, but the only one I can think of isn't really Shadowrun still, but you can be uh, some kind of uh, agent, okay? Some, uh, you, you, are, you are a, 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 an agent and the rocker is your, is your cover to travel the world, passing information, doing jobs for clandestine organizations, stuff like that, yes. Then, then, then a rocker is an excellent cover you have to make sure that that your face is completely obscured when you're doing your your actual job but but uh, b- uh but being in the city creates chaos it, it 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 creates you know pandemonium especially if you're very famous you know uh, maria mercurial type famous then then yeah i mean that's only all that confusion is only a boon for you the all the police are are, are distracted with uh, with uh, crowd control all that stuff and you know they're always they're, they're camped out around your hotel or whatever hotel they think you're at sure great that and then everyone else is either with you in the same organization and they're with you in the band and that very specific campaign yes that can be fun but in any regular written shadowrun campaign being a rocker no one else is going to choose rocker you're all alone and shoehorning you in shoehorning you into a campaign is going to be difficult at best now garthon go ahead and give me an example of a campaign that a rocker will shine at go i will say any normal well I should, there's no such thing as a normal shadow but just a, there's no such thing as a normal shadow run campaign but in an average well, shadow run campaign a rocker can be a very useful character. I played one, as a matter of fact. That's why, that's why I could kind of defend them. Um, when I played a rocker in a Shadowrun game, my character was not famous. I was a struggling rocker, you know. The I was maybe city famous. But the idea was he would use his runs as inspirations for his songs. He would never say, Woo-ha, we raided such and such corporation and we shot this dude. You know, yeah. No, he would... Everything was couched in, you know, Tolkien-esque language of, uh, lo, we did assault the gates of Mordor, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, basically did a big heavy metal thing about it. You know, he turned his runs into heavy metal songs, which sometimes I'd write up for extra XP. But, so he wasn't the best person on the team by even a margin. He was, he sucked at everything pretty much. But, where he was able to shine was, oh gosh, we got to get past these guards, or oh, how do we get in there? You know, I would be able to talk my way through it, you know. Even if they didn't recognize he's a rock star, I would be able to just talk my way through it because I had the charisma skills for it. Um, I had the ability to talk to people. I was able to use my rocker skills and abilities to be able to tell people, say, hey man, you know, just... So I didn't have to shoot my way through everything. I could actually get us through places. And in the rare cases when I was actually recognized, I would say, hey, man, you know, i just looking for something. You know, I'd be able to try and use the, uh, my semi-fame to my advantage to try and get people to do things for me. Now, would I be trying to say, hey, I'm a famous rock star or semi-famous? 
You know, in the middle of a firefight? Heck no. During a firefight, I would have my sh head down with my stupid blaster trying to shoot people. But it could work in that context. You, it's Like I said, a lot of times it's a, the same mentality as playing a bard a lot of times. You're not going to shine in combat. You're going to shine out of combat and use that to your advantage. If your entire campaign is just um, firefight, then the GM says, okay, you go through some rooms, you find out that the bad guy is actually Jim Jim Davis, and, uh, oh, he just came through the door. Combat. You know, If you're playing that kind of campaign, Rocker is useless. If you're playing where the, where the Game Master actually has a living world set up where role-playing is rewarded, a Rocker is a great character to have with you. Is that it? That's it. Okay. All right. Everything you just said that a rocker can do, a mage can do better. All right. Moving on. No. No, no. Yes. A mage can use Everything. spells yes. to try and get something done better. And, and the instant people realize better. you're using magic on them, they shoot you. Oh, the people the people you're talking through are guards and, and paid security, like, you know, like mall security shit uh, stuff. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, a mage does it all better. Not always. Now, Not now always. The, the, now the bad part, which, you know, is pretty much all of it um is is like is, is the fun really there uh, probably you're probably not playing Shadowrun if if you have if you're in a rocker campaign and then i disagree because there's so much you, you cyberpunk are, literature that revolves know, around that i know i know you've said it and i've ignored it that's because now, you can't stand looking at truth and i understand that no no i can't stand looking at rockers now uh uh, you, uh, in, in the example you gave, were, were, was not very famous at all. Now, in the later editions, I read, I read up on this, uh, you can actually buy fame in the beginning. All right? Yeah, but so, why would you so, do that? So you can be famous from, from jump, which is the only reason I think you'd want to play a rocker, just because you when you're famous, you get free stuff. And that's, that's cool, and, and that's great. Now, but that makes you very recognizable. Money for now, nothing and chicks for free. That's right. Now, uh, in in uh, in any written, uh, uh, I'm say written. I'm gonna say uh, bought, published. There you go. Published, uh, published uh, adventure or campaign that I've seen. Uh, re recognizable is not a boon. Right. Usually that would be a hindrance in just any a published work. Yes. I'd agree with that. You, yeah. If you want to play a rocker and and not screw your whole team over, it has to be a homegrown whole campaign. Uh, you know, even, even, uh, the, uh, well, no, 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 I get, I take that back. There was one published adventure that a rocker would shine in. And that is the adventure in the back of the main book, uh, Stouffer Shack. You could, you could probably stop the violence before it starts. If you're a famous rocker walking into a, a, a Stouffer Shack in the middle of the night. That's, That's probably wrong. true. Yes. Now, the other bad part of being, of being a rocker is all the, all that work you have to do in your day job. And you got to do all that shadow running work as your night job. That's a lot of work, man. That's, you're basically doing two jobs and one of them is paying more than the other. Why are you doing both? I, I don't know. figured that as a rocker, your job usually is night anyway. And the nights well, you're not rocking, you're running. You understand my reference though, right? Yeah, I get it. Okay, thank you. All right, so I, I cannot recommend playing a rocker unless it's a specific created campaign for that archetype or it is a you have a, a game master who has created all of his own content and he can alter it to fit a rocker in it. But if it's if it's published content, you're only going to be a hindrance 
90% of the time. If you're looking at something from a purely mechanical point of view, I'll agree that the rocker is not something you want on your team. But in most groups, there's always that player, maybe it's not always the same player, who wants to go a little off the rails and a little not with everything else, and a rocker is a good choice for that. Because they're not a complete waste. They have some useful skills, and maybe they could use their contacts for things, which is great. Um, They're certainly not the waste of time that a washed-up mage would be. Oh, speaking of washed-up mage, here we go. The burned-out mage. Okay, now, you, you woke up in the morning, and you said, you know what? I want to I want to make I want to start a character from jump that is a, a a physical and emotional wreck. Good you you found out you found your archetype. You have a mix of magic and cyberware. You've got some minor magic but you've got you've got some minor cyberware. You have experience with magic. So you have some knowledge to, to back up on the other people might not. You start off a little older, you know, if, if you play it correctly, you, you have to start off a little older. You have to be a little more experienced. Maybe even the game master, because you decide to pick such a stupid archetype that he's going to give you a uh, bonus, bonus uh, uh, karma. Why you know, would a mage it? have cyberware? Okay. Okay. Now I'm, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Now, uh, you have a variety of, of contact options in the beginning. You, you can explain anything away. Like I said, you're you're an older you're an older guy. You've been, you've been adventuring for a while. That's how you got burned out. And so you you can have you can have contacts that uh, an out of the gate, uh, fresh into the Shadowrun scene would not be able to choose. Great. And hey hey, you know what? You decided that you wanted to play or you want to start at the bottom at the absolute gutter. So so you can create your own redemption story. So you, he can rise up from the 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 pseudo heroin slash alcoholic ad, 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 addiction hole that that this character starts in and get him into the light. Great, good for you. Now let's go to the rub. Nobody likes the grizzled old man. Okay, no one likes to talk to him. No one likes to be around him. I mean, yeah, you you want your story to be grand, but guess what, man? It's just not your story. It's the whole party story. Your story to them is depressing and awful. Well, this... And if, if you're going to role play it, you're going to be depressing for a while at least. Well, and... also, this sounds like something more is like an NPC rather than a character. Yes, but it is a character archetype for some stupid reason. Now... Why would you take this? I mean, sure, I told you you want the redemption story. Great, but that's really it. The the, the role playing thing is really the only thing to do because nobody wants to create a guy who out of the gate is a failure. Is just well, what's is interesting is this isn't the only game to feature this archetype. You may re- recall Weston Games version of. Star Wars, the role-playing game, where you could actually play a washed-up Jedi. And again, you were old, you were grizzled, you were an absolute failure, you were probably a drunkard. Yep. But it was there in the book. I guess people Sounds wanted like to play Obi-Wan. And well, it wasn't even as good as Obi-Wan because you weren't no. powerful or competent. Right. You're right. And the thing is, this is very much the same. You're not powerful, you're not competent, you're probably a washed-up drunkard or addicted to something you were obviously washed up or burned out for a reason 
And this is an archetype that honestly I never saw played, and I nope. could never see why you would play it. Nope. It's almost like saying, hey, we have mage and really terrible mage. Which one would you choose? Well, well. Oh, I'm going to go door number two. No, you're not. What's, well, what's the advantage of playing really terrible mage? You get less stuff than mage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 you have to you have to role play like like your life is crap, and that means everyone's gonna look at you funny because because uh, you have to if you pick this archetype, the any game master gonna first he's gonna side side eye you, and go okay you want to jump into this hole of uh, of vipers then fine then you have to role play it, so uh, so every time you open your mouth people will let you go oh god. Well, also it's gonna be along the lines of all right, man. We have an elite, we're an elite shadow running team. We do the missions the police can't do, that the FBI is afraid of, that the KGP is de- is our fears. So who do we have? We have two street samurai. We have a mage. And we have uh, this guy who said he was a mage at one time and smells kind of like fish. You know, yeah. what are you even doing there? Yeah, exactly. And can you count on him? No, you can't count on him because he failed himself. All right, right. So, he might have been so, part of another Shadowrun team. Yeah, like, and what they're all your last dead team? now. Well, they're all dead. Yeah, exactly. That that's the thing. That's the thing. You have to start off older Shadowrun for a while. Where's your other team? You got to come up with a response to that. And they, they kicked any, me out because I'm yeah, yeah. all the time. Any, well, any, welcome to the team. Any any response that resembles the truth is going to make everyone kick you out of the new team. So you have to lie, <laughs> you know. But here here's here's how you become. Okay, now this this happens during role play. You're a mage, you know. You you got your full magic rating. You know you're good. You got your spells. You you you're riding the you're riding the wave of power, that that is wielding magic in the world of Shadowrun, and you're you're in a Shadowrun group. Everything goes is going great in the beginning, but halfway through everything goes pear shaped, and you take a bullet to the chest. You go down. Oh man, you just took a deadly wound for two minutes. You're actually dead. But you have your you have your your uh, your trusty dock wagon contract. They come up and they resuscitate you. Okay, you took a deadly wound. You have to roll to see if you lose a magic point. All right, let's say you fail that roll. All right, now uh, in in a dock wagon contract, you have to say if if you are if you are a major or not because if you are, they have specialized tools, so they 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 don't give you super synthetic drugs. That makes you uh, get get uh, lots of minuses to 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 a roll to uh, to retain your magic. But you know, so they they're they're professional. They didn't use any of that stuff. But you just got unlucky and you lost a point of magic. Okay, it's not the end of the world. You're thinking everything's fine. Not the end of the world. Everything's cool. Uh, you just uh, you you get a you get a, a, a power focus to to augment your the uh, the magic you lost, so you can still cast as spells as powerful as you could before great okay the months go by you think hey you know what uh, I'm, I'm gonna initiate to uh to to uh, raise my magic attribute back to six from five to six that's great well you find a group you initiate to grade zero everything goes great you're on another run and you, you get hit with this with this gas it knocks you out you have you have you have deadly mental trauma which is fine you know that you don't have to roll anything for that. That's cool. But you go unconscious. Well, the 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 team needs you needs you for this specific point. So they they put a, a stim patch on you. And uh oh, 
you're not allowed to use those trauma patches and stim patches are dangerous you roll in oh man you lose another magic point now psychologically you are you you cannot connect to to magic anywhere near as well you're a third you're 30 you're 33 percent less less magically powerful than you were just six months ago you you can't let it go it's gnawing at your soul it's 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 in your head you're a failure you're a failure you're a failure so you know what this initiation thing is is taking too long it's 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 going to be years before i get my magic back i need power right now my my group is depending on me so you get some cyberware you lose another magic point but you you get some wide reflexes to make you faster so you can shoot off spells maybe faster stuff like that that's great and you it's a snowball you keep going keep going until one day years later you're sitting around with with freaking magic attribute of one wired reflexes dermal armor and uh and and for some some night you got you got really drunk and for some reason you got a uh, a cell phone installed in your ear for you know it's 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 like the burned out mages equivalent of a of a tramp stamp and then there you are that is a, the the progression of a burned out mage it happens either on purpose or through circumstance throughout a campaign starting off that way is absolutely inconceivable and that's why you don't see anyone playing this i've never seen anyone play it you've never seen anyone play it no, no. one would want to because the, because this is the point at where, where people retire their character like, okay no i'm done with this I'm going to, I'm going to roll up a new character. That's what people say when a mage gets to this point, <laughs> they, they quit. <laughs> so why no, would you want to start at the quit right. point? Why would you want to start at the point where the guy's already given up? Uh, it doesn't make any sense mechanically or thematically. Really. I don't even understand why someone thought it'd be a great idea to put in as a playable archetype. What if you wanted to do this, honestly, play a mage and role play everything else. Yes, yes. Play a mage and then and then and then role play the descent into burned out hood. You can do that. That's fine. Or even role play you. starting out burned out, like aren't you a mage? I was a mage. I've forgotten, you know, but I d I don't do that running anymore. We need your help. You need to come out of retirement. I'll do one more run. You know, you could do that. Yeah, and that works still out. Great. Start out with a brand new mage character. Yeah. Now let's go to all the good parts I, I can tell you about being a burned out mage. Or a rocker. Yeah. It looks like a blank slide, my friend. Oh, no. No. It says placeholder until I can think of something. And I never did. I think I was able to come up with some good points for a rocker. You were able to come up with some points for, for a rocker, true. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we are in, in contention on that one. It's especially when it comes to published work. A rocker is mostly detriment. But uh, we are in agreement that uh, a burned out mage is just stupid. Yeah, the burned out mage is there's no point to play when there's never a time. I can see conceivably a time you're saying, dang, if there's a rocker with us, this could be useful. It'd be rare, but I could never see a point where you're saying, I really wish we had a burned out mage with us. Yeah, where's where where where's where's that guy who who got got his arm blown off and he had to hit it hit it re replace with a with a really really crappy cyber arm and then his magic started to go I, and he semi retired. You know who we need? We need him. No one's yeah. ever gonna say that. The only time I can see that is if your characters vitally need to get information from a VFW, you know, and then a, maybe a burned out mage would be able to walk in and talk about the war until they yes. gave him the information he yes. needed. 
exactly. That, that, that would be useful. But again, I have never been in a situation where going to a VFW in a Shadowrun campaign was advantageous in any way. Right. It, the game master would have to go out of his way to make the burned out mage think, wow, good thing we have that burned out mage. And even if you want the role-playing challenge, like we said before, there's no reason to have a separate archetype for it when you could just role-play it through a standard mage. Yes. Yes, you can. So, that, that's it. Those are the dumb ones. The ones that uh, I, cannot, I cannot recommend in any way, shape, or form to anyone uh, either beginning their, their, their Shadowrun experience in role-playing or even seasoned, seasoned veterans of Shadowrun. Uh, unless I, your campaign see... is super specific. No, wait. That's not a good reason to then play yes. a mage. That's a good reason to make someone play a burned out mage. Not actually a good reason to play one. Never mind. No, there is no good reason to play one. No, I was thinking, what... Well, if you're running the game and you have a power gamer who's always like jobbing the system, make him play one of these because then he'll have to suck no matter what. But it's like, no, that's not a reason to play one. That's a reason to punish no, someone. No, exactly. That that's that, that's just punishing someone. And uh, if you're if you're trying to do that to a power gamer, he might quit. So there you go. Yes, very much so. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Heathen Dog, for that exciting extravaganza of Shadowrun shenanigans. As always, you if you want to check out more of Heathen Dog, he is available every day of the week on YouTube at Legion of Myths' various videos. You also can check out his streaming of Star Trek Online currently twice a week. That's right, Mondays and Thursdays at uh, 1 p.m. Central. No. Noon Central, sorry. Noon, 12, 12 p.m. Central, Mondays and Thursdays, every week. Absolutely. All right, well, thank you very much, Heathen Dog. Anything else you want to add upon this subject? No, no, that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, we, uh, we we covered uh, all the archetypes, and uh, um, I may move to another game system after today, unless I, I flip through the Shadowrun book, and I'm like, oh, no, I forgot about this. And that'll be the week after next. All right. Well, let us move on, my friends, to that other thing we do. Yes, Garthon's comic pull. We're here. Garthon, I, and Heathen Dog shall talk about two comic books this week. Why two and not three this week? Because um, I only was interested in two books that came out this week. Marvel has a whole lot of uh, secret Empire tie-ins, and I'm not buying those. And DC just wasn't tickling my fancy this week. So, here we are, Garthon's Comic Pull with two, count them, two books. First, we will talk about Dr. Aphra number seven. Uh, Dr. Aphra was first introduced in the Darth Vader comic series, which was super awesome. Uh, one of my favorite uh, comic series of all time, actually, at this point. Uh, by the graphic novel of the Darth Vader series. Uh, the same author, uh, Kieran Gillen, actually carries over from that uh, with the character he created for that series, Dr. Afra. Dr. Afra is an archaeologist, a black market archaeologist. An and evil this, Indiana Jones. Yes, basically, evil Indiana Jones. In this world, if you want to sell a archaeological artifact, it has to be authenticated, much like the real world. If you want to sell something, it has to be, uh, archaeologists have to authenticate it, make sure it's real. 
because she's a certified archaeologist, she could raid temples, steal stuff, and then certify that it's genuine and sell it and make the money. Which is not a bad plan, really. Dangerous, because she takes off a lot of people and goes to a lot of places you're not supposed to go. So she's kind of, you know, evil Indiana Jones mixed with a little evil Han Solo. Very entertaining character. Uh, interesting side cast with her. But this book here, Dr. Aphra number 7, is part of a Star Wars Universe comic multi-series crossover called The Screaming Citadel. Uh, this is, as you can see from the cover, part three of five. So in this book, it's not just Dr. Aphra. You got Han Solo, you got Leia, you got Luke. Uh, don't think you have Darth Vader. No, you don't. Um, you have the murder droids with her. It's a pretty interesting book. Um, apparently, as you jump in, shenanigans have already happened in which Aphra has tried to like sell out Luke to the Empire once. And Han and Leia are like, well, you need to get rid of this Dr. Aphra person. She is bad. It looks like, no, no, she actually just saved my life recently. I know when she tried to sell me out, it was, you know, it's kind of what she did. She was an accident. Well, not an accident, but she's sorry. She's not going to do it again. We can trust her. She's my friend. I trust her. Kind of see this look at Aphra's face like, uh, yeah, uh, I feel kind of bad about that. Um, I don't know if you want to say I'm your friend. But there's a whole lot of stuff going on there. The main plot revolves around going to a, what do you call it? Uh, going to the secret installation. They're trying to find some information. And they find out this place, they're breeding some sort of horrible parasite, which has known been known to take over worlds and destroy it. And if the Empire knew that these this uh, Screaming Citadel, these people, were breeding these parasites... The Empire would, you know, wipe the planet clean if they knew about it, because they're so terrified of these things. Even the Empire won't weaponize these things. Um, well, it's what, what you're describing sounds like Zerg, you know, like in a way with their little parasites. Yeah, yeah, they take people over, go into their brains, take over their minds, fill them with unearthly rage until they die. Wow. And then they use the cor the corpses wherever they got killed to uh, and put their young in, put their eggs in, so it works out well for them. Wait, how do they get from planet to planet? Uh, they hop well. It's kind of like the alien thing. You just lay dormant and someone goes someplace else. Oh, okay. gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah. so they're semi-intelligent or, well, or highly animal like, intelligent? Well, it's like any other animal species. A lot of times they'll a virus will lay dormant before it gets to a new population. You know? That's true. That's true. Okay, okay. I, I got you. I got you. But so there's a lot of fighting with that. There's a big subplot with Leia and one of her bodyguards, her bodyguards calls to tell you, you can't trust these people, princess, you cannot be doing this. The uh, the resistance, the rebellion is relying on you, you can't be with these people, you can't trust these people, especially the smuggler, but even more than that, Dr. Aphra. And Han's like, what, me? No, I, I helped blow up the Death Star, I'm cool. And he's like, yeah, yeah, how much money did you get for that? That's not the issue, you know? Um... There's some neat character development going back between Luke and Aphra. It's kind of nice to see the like the yin and yang of Luke's positivity and his belief. And there's some nice conversations dealing with Luke saying, why do you support the Empire? How could you do that? And Aphra's like, the Empire provides stability. My family was murdered because there was no stability in our stupid little world. And so 
the Empire can provide safety for everyone. They're not the nicest of people, but you know what? Sometimes on the fringes, you got to crack a few heads. And the Empire brings that. Looks like, well, your job is completely counter to that. She's like, yeah, I know. I make my money on the fringe. That doesn't mean I don't think the Empire does useful things. People need that kind of stability. You know, otherwise, everyone's just a bunch of stupid moisture farmers. You know, basically go back. He's like, well, you know, uh, the Empire killed my family of farmers. She's like, oh, sorry about that. Uh, so there's some very neat conversations going on there. It's some nice character building. Um, at the end of it, a couple of big events happen. Uh, the Screaming Citadel people are showing up, and they're like, oh, no, they're going to kill us all. And one of Dr. Afra's associates, not friends, kind of a hireling, a bounty hunter, Wookiee, whose name I cannot even attempt to pronounce, um, recently fell in combat with someone else. And the murder droids say, oh, don't worry, I could help you. And they actually pull out, they actually grab one of these horrible alien parasites, implant it in the nearly deceased Wookiee's brain, which wakes him up, drives him into a horrible Wookiee rage where he starts tearing these bad guys apart. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, having a rage-inducing parasite in a human or, or any other race is bad enough, but in a Wookiee who is prone to rage-induced behavior to begin with is super stupid yeah as long as you point him in the right direction it's okay for you and as long as the parasite isn't allowed to go out and breed that's okay too but i think their opinion is screw this world i don't care about it anyway because this is the people who did this are not good guys they are the murder droids um they actually would get a big giggle out of watching every life form on the planet get infected and die by this because it wouldn't affect them they're droids and so because they actually say you just he was what are your Companions, you just sent him out. He's you just killed him and sent him off to die. And he's like, they don't like companions. You just sent your own droid out to die. Is it? Isn't that the same thing? Like, no, I wouldn't really. It's at least the same to me. It's like, ooh, ooh, little droid rights action going on there. Make Leia look like kind of a hypocrite, not considering droid lives. Mm. No one considers droid. See, uh, that's what I hate about about uh, pe people who talk about droid rights in Star Wars. Droids don't have rights; they shouldn't have it. Well, right, droids are property, but then again, yes. you have to say, why? if droids are property, why would you give them personalities, feelings, and the ability to feel pain? Because humans are stupid. Yeah, that's incredibly wrong to do that. Yes, it is. It's dumb, it's stupid, but they do it because, you know, Because Lucas thought it would be funny, that's why. Yes. Um, yeah, right, if, if you're dealing with something that's cognizant, that can reason, that has feelings and emotions and not just pre-programmed responses, you cannot have it as property. That's just morally wrong. Right. And the idea that droids are now, property as, is morally wrong. Right. As, as, as a side note, um, there was a, a, an official write-up for the Millennium Falcon where uh, the, the, the reason that Han Solo and Chewbacca can fly it by themselves when it, it really requires a greater amount of crew is that he has droid brains slaved to do some of the, some of the tasks that a crew would do. Eh, makes sense. So there you are. I mean, he, he, he took a droid program, put it into a ship and said, now you do this and just forgot about it. Then didn't mention it in any well, of the, in any of the as movies. As long but as they're not fully is... cognizant and like, they're just <laughs> running routines. Come on. Come on. He, he, he probably, you know, stole a droid or bought one off the black market, took it apart and had, and had Chewbacca install it without actually changing it in any way. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Something like that probably happened. Yeah. That's wrong. If that's true. 
but, but I don't care about droids, so I don't really care. So about yeah, them. they're not they're not people. But the you know, that's another argument, I suppose. But the but also the other big twist at the end was after they have their argument about you know my family were farmers who got killed, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, Luke, and he's like, it's okay, I understand, it's you know you don't really know. It's like no, not about that, about this. And then like the doors open and it's the Empire, and she has completely sold him out again. Because that's what she does. She's not a trustworthy person. No, she's not. She's an awful person. No, she's an awful person. That's kind of what makes it entertaining. That she's an awful person. She has a moral code, but selling out some loser wannabe Jedi who you just met, the guy who blew up the Death Star, the Empire's offering a ton of money for. Yeah, that makes sense. She, she would do that totally. You're not family. Even then, if the bad news high from her own father, she would sell her own father out. Anyway, so how how does how does Lucky Luke get out of this one? They don't say that would be in part four of the Star Wars: The Screaming Citadel, which dun, dun, dun. probably in Luke Skywalker comics. Who knows? Um, even though I didn't haven't read any other part of this series, I enjoyed reading it. I liked seeing Doctor Aphra's interactions with the other characters, like the canon Star Wars characters. Um, Kieran Gillen is an excellent writer does a great job of capturing these characters, how they act in the films, um, the way they speak. I just thought it did a great job. Uh, the artist, uh, Andrea Brocardo, uh, who does the interior art, is fantastic in capturing the look of the characters most of the time. Um, Leia's kind of off-model most of the time, but the other characters seem pretty solid almost every panel. Uh, this cover was done by Marco Cicchetto. Uh Great job there. That scene that's on the cover of Han covered by the horrible alien parasites never actually happens ever at all in this book. So just, you know, a dramatic cover. And why would you put Han Solo on doc the cover of Dr. Aphra's book? I don't know. They, don't they know. say like three words the whole time. Yeah, it's it's the it's, it's the equivalent of clickbait, basically. Yeah, essentially it is. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I really like the book. Wasn't super fantastic. Um, because they're trying to focus on all the characters else overarching story. You don't really see Dr. Aphra doing too much. But it does. It focuses on her, but the book isn't really about her. It's definitely more about Luke, Leia, and Han, just because of the screaming Citadel stuff going on. I'll give it a three out of five, maybe three and a half. I'll say three and a half out of five. Really enjoyed it. Great art. Uh, nice, clear voices in the writing. And so that's where I'm going to leave it. Uh, BT Mike in the chat says uh, none of those attributes are required for cognizant intelligence. Well, yes. But having cognizant intelligence and the ability to reason and the ability to – once you can cognizate, I think, therefore I am, and not just spit it out, but actually say, you know, I am a living, thinking being who can create my own future, then you have a problem. Anyway, uh, so yeah, three and a half out of five for Star Wars Doctor Aphra number seven. Uh, it's a good book. If you're – I think the Screaming Citadel crossover sounds interesting. I'm not interested in buying the other books, but I might check them out, read them at somewhere else's place or something. Next book. Secret Empire number three. Written by Nick Spencer. Art by Rod Reese and Andrea Sorrentino. And the cover by Mark Brooks. Neat cover. Doesn't happen in the book. The So, last week, Heathen Dog and I reviewed secret empire number two and we tore that book apart because well it deserved it, it was bad 
Yeah, it, it, it is literally in, in contention for, for the top five worst comics I've ever read. It is, it is up there. I mean, it is, it, is, it is climbing that chart the more I think about it. Yeah, it was just bad on so many levels. It wasn't even bad because it wasn't written well. It, the writing was decent, but the overall story is bad. The characters lost voice a lot. Anyway, we already talked about that. We're yes, talking yes, about yes. Secret Empire number three. Which is better, I guess, than number two. But it's better because it couldn't be worse. No, really, yeah. I mean, the, like I, I told you earlier, the Secret Empire number two, the bar was so low you couldn't even trip over it. This exactly. one, th- This one, you could actually stumble over this bar. I think an expert limbo master could limbo under it. But that's one of those like Olympic limbo level type people. Like uh, what what's what's his name from Futurama? Yeah, exactly. Uh gosh, yeah. I forget his name. The accountant who was on the Olympic limbo team. Yeah, I forget his name too. Ah, dang it. Yep. He's Jamaican. But the so this book uh, the first part deals with Captain America, who is evil, Captain Hydra, and Sharon Carter. They're out together at a public meeting, and, of course, Sharon Carter, who is not crazy, is showing how much she does not want to be there and does not want to be in Captain Hydra's company by pointing out all these things like, oh, wow, you know, it's, I really don't want to be here. He's like, but Sharon, you've been cooped up in the apartment for weeks. This is the first time you've seen Sun. It's like, yes, because your handlers won't let me leave. It's like, well, you know, if you didn't try to escape all the time. Uh, just why is he even trying to make a relationship with Sharon work? I know. I know. I don't understand she it either. hates everything about him. Yes. Yes. I mean, it is just stupid. He's just the, 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 only, the only reasonable thing is to cut her loose. Right, unless they're going to make the excuse that it's some sort of lost echo in his mind from the Cosmic Cube that they're supposed to be in a relationship and love each other, even though his personality now cannot make, cannot have that happen with the way her personality is. That it's just some sort of thing that's checked off in his brain, like, I am with this person, we love each other, without being able to recognize, like a sane person, that this person thinks you are crazy and would murder you at a heartbeat if she had a gun. Uh, it then goes into various organizations and what their plans are to get rid of him. It, uh, you read this. Well, yes, I know, but it, I, I liked the only part of the book I liked was the, was the several pages they, they, they did on all the people that are trapped outside the shield in space with the guardians of the galaxy. Yes. With the guardians of the galaxy where, where, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to, uh, it, uh, enlist other races and other groups to right. help star lord root and yeah. rocket raccoon actually go to a meeting of the kree the scroll the shiar um who else and a couple other races and like and hey, they all have one thing in common yeah but he tells them hey the earth needs your help we're all trapped and to let them know the situation of what's going on and they're like so all of our heroes are trapped in your shield and get out and so they can't ever come out here no and you guys are trapped out here and Hydra did all this to you guys? Yes. And they all pull out guns and say, Death to the Earthlings, hail Hydra! Because, hey, Earth has caused them no end of problems, so exactly. them being locked Earth, off sounds Earth great. Earth has been a thorn in the side of every sentient spacefaring race at one point or another in the freaking universe. So they are not going to help anybody. 
and it, uh, the, the the attacks on the heroes outside the shield have have uh, I believe the quote was uh, have increased in frequency from once every few days to once every few hours, and the station is about to just implode. It it is is, is being held together by by MacGyver dreams of bubblegum and bailing wire. So they are literally on their last breath of air at this point. The people yeah, they almost the lost their oxygen supply. Uh, their most powerful hero is pretty much out. Of course, what annoyed me at one of those panels was like, we don't have anyone with that kind of power. And they're showing Starbrand in that panel, like behind them eating at a table. Starbrand is at Quasar's power level. Starbrand is Earth's natural defenses against the universe. The Star Brand and the Night Mask together are more powerful than Quasar. So that kind of really annoyed me that the artist showed Star Brand in that panel. Because, like, it, maybe the artist was saying, hey, um, there are characters who are that powerful, who you do have. Maybe that was the artist kind of sliding that in, which would be kind of entertaining if that was the case. Uh, I know Star but... Brand started out New Universe. I understand that. And New Universe sucked. Everyone knows that. But Starbrand is mega powerful, right? And uh, if if the if the artist actually did slip that in there, that means there's dissent in the in behind the scenes and in the, in the production of this thing, which is even worse. Well, I'm sure there's a ton of dissent with this storyline inside of Marvel. There has to be. I cannot imagine that when this storyline was proposed. Everyone Every, at Marvel you know, started stood up and applauded. There had to be a lot of people saying, "Whoa, this is a very bad idea. You're taking one of those beloved characters in all of Marvel history, Captain Freaking America. His name is Captain America. He's been known as a comic hero since World War II. He issue one of his comic has him punching Hitler, and you're turning him into Hitler. This cannot be good. No, no, it's great. It's great, man. Because at the somehow." Anyone's logic had overridden on that. I'm sure there had to be at least one dissenting voice. Oh, I, at least? I mean, everyone side-eyed each other at that friggin' staff meeting. I would but hope no, so, but somehow yeah, but, it got through. Yeah, but what I want to ask, though, is I, I, I missed it. I, I must have missed that issue. Uh, how, did, how, did it, uh, how did Quasar go down? That was in Secret Empire Zero, I think. Um, and in that, she just went down by having everything... That the Chitauri had hit her at once, essentially. That is nothing special, you know. Just oh, okay. Just that's the way it is. Yeah. yeah. Just that was they basically. Quasar, the current Quasar is new, so she's not fully in control of all of her powers like the previous Quasars were. Um, she's inexperienced, but she means well. And honestly, the current Quasar they have, the Nega bands or whatever gives Quasar their powers. The previous Quasar retired, and Captain America was in charge of the of the bands. And at, at that time, it was post Evil Cap time, but he wasn't in the open as being Evil Cap. And he was, he was he, Secret Hydra. He was Secret Hydra Cap, and he, with Shield, went about choosing a new person to wear the bands. And then there was this horror, and they were actually going through this whole training program and all that stuff. And then there was a catastrophe where they were attacked by the Chitauri. They're like, we need Quasar now. And he set it up where this inexperienced girl who had no business with the bands ended up with them. So he Smart. engineered that. 
And then we said, she had to, and Maria Hill's like, she can't use them. She's not good enough. She failed the tests. And he would, I have faith in her. She has that, you know, basically said she has the gumption to do it. I see that strength in her. I can't believe you don't, Maria. Well, yeah, he was setting her up to fail. And that actually came out in another, it was either a Cap or like Secret War Zero, where Cap really don't admit that he set this woman up who is not cut out to be Quasar to, to fail. And so that's what happened there. Okay. Well, to to be fair, I haven't followed a Quasar book since uh oh back in the day with uh um Vaughn, I think his name was. Yeah, and, that and was a very got, long time ago. Yeah, that was, that was like twenty years ago. So that the that, that was the last Quasar I actually followed. Actually, I actually bought the comic, you know, every month. Yeah. Yeah. So Quasar is out. And she is that kind of mega powerful. So is Starbrand, though, but no one cares about Starbrand. They cared about him for a few, well, almost a year they cared about him. And then the direction of the Avengers changed and no one cared about him anymore. He had a solo series that didn't sell well, so no one cared about him. Anywho. Uh, But you had that going on. It does show some stuff with the champions training in... What turn like they're in this situation where some woman, some woman has nanites pumping out of her heart that when there's enough of them will explode and take out a bill, whole building, and they try and stop her and the wasp gets in there starts trying to disable the nanites but it's not time and she blows up and everyone dies and it turns out they're in a holodeck or a danger yeah, room the, or something yeah harkening harkening back to the X Men danger room yes yes it's like okay where did they get this they're under gear well, under equipped but no on. apparently it's true that. it's true. It's true, but uh, they, they, they did say they were in an old Pantheon facility, and that place uh, probably has the highest tech around because it was uh, it, the, the, the uh, Pantheon was, was led by a guy who was basically immortal. So he's yeah, been around a long yeah. time. So he had a lot of funds throughout the year. So I get that if, uh, if uh, um, Hologram Stark can, can get this stuff working, that they probably have some impressive stuff in there. Well, Hologram Stark's not working with them. At all? No, because with the Never champions was. and all that, they went off on their own from the Red Room, and Black Hood is training oh. them to be elite killers. Okay, well, they, yeah, they're 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 a splinter group now, but they weren't before, so I'm sure well, that. Well, Stark's you know. not supposed to know about that secret facility. That's why they went there. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry then. Um, then then yeah, I, I don't know how they got it working. Maybe uh, it was I, already I, working because Black maybe, Widow had it yeah. set up previously. Who knows? Maybe so. But Black Widow is really pushing the whole killing, killing the whole uh, philosophy of. I f- right. Basically, she pushed at them like, you failed this mission, like the, you failed the last seven simulations I set up. Well, there are no win situations. They're Kobayashi Maru. It's like, no, you could have won this. How? And I think Nadia, the wasp, says, well, we could have killed her. But we're not going to do that. We refuse to do that. She's like, well, then why are you even here? You're going to fail every time if you're not willing to do that. Which. It really bothers me to see from Black Widow. I guess they're trying to say that Black Widow's hit bottom is willing to do anything, but she gave up killing people for a reason. She's no longer she's a ex assassin, not a when things get tough time to start assassinating girl person. You know, it's like oh man, you know this is actually gonna be kind of hard. I guess I'll just start killing people. No, no, no. You know, it's, it's I don't buy that from her character. I, just like I hated the last issue where she's like, welcome to the Red Room. You know, that was dumb. This is dumb. I'm going to take these kids with attitude and turn them into murderers. What? That doesn't... Uh... That, that's not, yeah, yeah. She, she's actually, uh, in, in this storyline, she's becoming the people 
who made her into a murderer. She's becoming right. those people. And that doesn't make any sense for her character, in my no. opinion. No, she 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 is a uh, she is self cognizant enough to to understand what is happening, and to and to stop herself from doing this. Right. Uh, you, and yeah, within in any other storyline, you do finally get some of the superhero team saying, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we'll go after those shards of the cosmic cube. I don't know." But you see the Hydra people definitely going after the shards of the cosmic cube. And wiping out one of Atlantis's most ancient temples when they find out that a shard was supposed to be there, and Namor and the Atlanteans moved it because they knew that Hydra and, wanted it, and, and set and, up a fate, and yep. to teach them a lesson that you don't screw with Hydra, they blow up one of Atlantis's most ancient and sacred temples, and kill all the priests, and kill all the priests, and they know that's going to enrage yep. Namor and the Atlanteans. They're like, they know not to mess with us, and that's that. It's like, ah, okay. I guess you're doing the Hitler, I'll start a war on four fronts. I don't care. Space, ground, sea, I'll fight anyone. Bring it. Whatever. That's what it seems like to me. Just... Uh, so, uh, also, stuff that happened in the last week, you start seeing a little build-up more of, where you actually see a guy who looks a lot like Steve Rogers with a beard, being a very good person, meeting some girl who appears to be wounded. The little girl is all glowy and dressed in white and looks a lot like Kobik, the personification of the Cosmic Cube, but looks like she's been beat pretty badly. Black eye, bleeding from the mouth. Yes. She says she's dying. And, and and bitten, yeah. Bitten, and she said she was poisoned. Right. Something like that, yeah. Um, so he tries, no, you'll, we'll make it to the stream, just water, you'll be fine. Uh, she ends up dying, but telling him things why she knows that he could do it, that he could break free from this. So I think they're trying to hint that Somehow, Steve Rod, the real Steve Rogers, his personality is trapped inside the shards of the Cosmic Cube. And so when they get the cube back so together, they, they'll be able to restore him. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Or make a new Captain America to fight the evil Captain America. Like you could have cap on cap action, I guess. Well, it's dumb. Like like Superman 3? Yeah, like Superman 3. <laughs> exactly. Because that was such a great scene. <laughs> yeah, it's laughable. I don't see how this got approved. I hate the premise of this event. Nick Spencer is a good writer. I don't know. I And from what I understand, he proposed this whole storyline. So I, that kind of negates my previous statement of him being a good writer. But he does do a good job with the dialogue. He, normally, he's very good at keeping character voices. I don't like where he's taking a lot of the characters. I don't like where the story is going. I don't like where it's been. This does not deserve to be a, a big summer event for Marvel. The cross promotion has been terrible. Speaking of the cross, well, I'll get to the cross promotion. No, no, and no, stuff no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But for, first, we have to we have to actually rate this book on itself. Okay, I'm going to give it a two out of five. Wow. The art, the art that's done by Rod Reese, maybe it's Reese. I think it's Reese. R e i s is good. Little watercolor looking, not high on the detail. But it works very well. The art done by Andres Sorrentino, who did last issue's art, is again dark, blocky. Everything looks like it's a shadow of something. I just don't like it. I don't care what trying to move. A comic works when the art works with the mood. So nothing, everything doesn't have to look photorealistic, or things don't have to look for like Neil Adams drew them, that kind of style. 
But see what 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 I miss is uh, in in the poignant moments uh, in in a comic book. This is what I look for in in the in the inking of a, in the drawing in a, in a comic. Uh, the the moments where it, where emotion is to be shown on the characters' faces, disappointment, rage, joy, sadness, whatever. In both of, of both of these artists, I couldn't see any of it because it was either watercolor blurry or blocky crap. Right, I'll agree with that. It, you can't really read any of the characters' faces or emotions. Nope, none at all. You can't. I mean, the the only thing you get is is a a, a really really good look of of uh, constipation. Dis- no, 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 no. Disappointment and and indignant. Uh, well, yeah, anger. Every- Every and, character and in this book on, on. looks like they need and, to eat some fiber. Yes, you know, but a uh, Black Widow is the only is the only only uh, character in this book that you actually read the emotion on her face because in one panel her face took up the entire panel, so they couldn't blur it enough. <laughs> to, yeah, to actually, yeah, that's true. Well, it. they actually do a decent job showing emotions on the faces of Steve Rogers and Kobik in the uh, the much brighter um, L, uh, dream sequence thing. But that's because they actually are yes. coloring everything red and black in those panels, I'm thinking. Mm, maybe. But also the art style is different there. I'm not sure which artist does those panels. And even those aren't super great, but you could actually see some facial features then, finally. So yeah, I'm going to give it 2 out of 5. It's below average, but it's not super terrible. I it's wouldn't just buy below it. Average. I, I bought it. I, I wouldn't buy yep. it again. I wouldn't recommend nope. people buy it. Uh, I'm buying this partly because I'm a completionist and I already got the first few, and partly because I could talk about it in the comic poll. If I wasn't doing the comic poll, would I keep buying Secret Empire? Probably not. No, it's bad. I buy it. I take that bullet for you, my friends, out there. You're welcome. So so altruistic. <laughs> yeah. Out of Garthon's pocket into your ears. Don't buy Secret Empire. Just don't reward Marvel for this series. And Marvel sales are in the dumper because of this series well, of right course. now. Of course, of course it is. I mean, this is an awful storyline. It's it like 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 you said, it has has awful cross promotion. So yeah, I mean, you're 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 sending out threads, but you know, it all leads back to this giant crap show. So right. no one's gonna buy anything involved with the crap show. Do you have a rating for this book this week, Heathen Dog? Okay, uh, the last one was what, a 1? Um, I gave it a 1, you gave it a 0.5, because you couldn't give it a 0. Yes, it exists. yes, I gave it, yeah, exactly. It, 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 it does exist, and, and number 2 is considered art, because, you know, it is. For, you know, other things I hate are considered art too, so okay, it exists, half star. Now, this one is better. It is better, it's drawn a little better. The uh, the story is a little better. I want more of the people outside the shield because I'm tired, just like you, of watching Captain America being freaking evil. I want to watch people outside and I, I want to know what's going through their heads. They are in the foxhole. You know, well, they are the ones. They are in the we're going to die. We have no hope phase. That's all it is. It, yeah, but I but you know it did it doesn't have to be that way. They 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 could uh they could write it differently out there. Like, you know, like yes, we're being beaten, being beaten. It's 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 like a World War One movie out there. You know, where 
where you're, you're in the, you're in the trenches for weeks and it, it's all bleak and it, and there's no hope, but then something happens. Christmas comes around and both, both sides decide to have a ceasefire for 12 hours and celebrate Christmas. You know, you, you could have something, something not, not, not that, not quite that stupid, but something like that to, to give a ray of hope to the people on the outside. Well, that in, would be cool. Well, in theory, something along those lines could happen because the reason the Chitari are attacking the earth in ever increasing waves is because on earth is what the a Chitari queen is being imprisoned there and that's why the Chitari are trying to rescue her and so let's say that another Chitari queen shows up and she's intelligent probably some big blobby alien thing and they could talk to it and they can say we will help you rescue this thing we cannot get through this shield we are on your side you know, maybe they could reason with it. Maybe something like that happens. You know, I'm surprised something like that hasn't happened already. J- just because they keep saying waves and waves. How many societies would throw waves and waves of of of, of ships, people, and personnel into the same place over and over and over again for literally weeks and have nobody come back? Well, or the, very little people the come Jatari back. The Jatari are described as being mindless drones. So they're just following an okay. insect-like programming of queen is in danger, must rescue, come from wherever you are. And okay. that's all they're doing. Okay, well, there has to be another queen watching this going, wow, this is stupid. Right, you got to think there's something happening there. But yeah. I don't know. They haven't done it yet, which they should have done by now. I mean, If like they're I said, going to do it, they might not. They might okay. have the Celestial show up or oh, Odin if that happens, shows up. Nope, nope, nope. They've actually nope. done a preview nope. of the new Thor, and it looks like Odin with Mjolnir. Yeah, that's old. That's old Thor. That's King Thor. Yeah, but that looks like that's happening again. Yeah. Anyway, okay, that's so what's your rating? You didn't. Anyway, say. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay, you, you gave it a two. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and and give it a one and a half. I swear. I am the the art is uh, is for for you it's the dialogue and the st- and the story that 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 draws you to a book for me it's the art well and art is art definitely a big draw is, for me as well i'm not going to deny that yeah so. exactly but no no yeah but I, you you have you have priority and i have priority and uh i believe that, uh, that your priority is a former and mine is latter so the art here while better than number two is still bad still bad yeah i agree so i uh, one and a half i mean it, 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 is, it, it is something that i feel that that uh, people who bought and read are sad that they spent money on this. Just I, sad. I don't know a single person who I, I haven't talked to a single person, like when I talk to people in the comic book stores and such, who's read Secret Empire and says, oh man, I'm pumped about this series. I can't find anyone. Everyone's like, that's awful. I hate it. How can they turn Cap evil? Uh, speaking of that, let's go to RNG. And let's talk about the cross promotion of Secret Empire. One of the reasons why I say it's so bad is on Memorial Day, a day where everyone gets the day off of work to... Wait, wait, did, did, did we forget something? What? Didn't uh, didn't Max Leo have a... Oh, shoot! How could we skip? That was supposed to be first. Holy yes, crap. Yes, it was. Why didn't you I, say I, something I, earlier? I, well, I thought it was going to be at the end because you wanted to, that to was do supposed to be first, first. Your thing. That was supposed to be yes, first. I'm you, sorry, you, because... I blame you. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. But uh, yeah, go ahead and throw that in. All uh, right, let us go and talk about Max Leo's Celestial Wisdom, where he reviews the long... See, you started talking in the beginning. Anyway, the Long Journey. Let us take a listen, my friends. Long Journey Home. Hello, Legionnaires. Yes, this journey. is Max Leo from Legion Man, 
and today I'm going to review the game The Long Journey Home. Journey Home. Right off the bat, I need to tell you that this review is probably going to be a little longer than initially the game, planned. The There's a major update to this game the other day, and right I'm going to talk about those changes as well. So without further ado, let me tell you that The Long Journey Home is published by Daedalic Entertainment, developed by Daedalic Studios West, and was released on Steam 30 May 2017 for a price point of uh, $39.99, $40, whatever. The Long Journey Home is a procedurally generated game where you explore the universe, jumping from system to system, managing orbits, interacting with aliens, mining asteroids, and exploring planets to refuel and repair your ship so that you can eventually make it home. There are three types of ships and lander types, each with their own strengths and weaknesses, and a selection of ten crew members who come with their own backgrounds and strengths. Alien encounters include trading and some limited role-playing and diplomacy. And oh! Oh! Did I mention that it also comes with hours and hours of minigame content, complete with all the crashes and explosions you never want to experience? <laughs> Since I had no preconceived expectations of The Long Journey Home, other than what was uh, stated on Steam, my, my expectations were very simple. To play a simplified combination of 4X and space survival game with some RPG elements mixed in. And for each playthrough to be familiar but unique due to the procedurally generated content. At the start of Long Journey Home, you pick your crew, your ship, and your poor, poor, soon-to-be-brutalized lander. Each crew member has a role to play on your ship, for example, a mission planner, botanist, test pilot, and so forth. And each one comes with a small bio that indicates to you his job and strengths. Understand that this information is not quantified via mathematics or numeric bonuses. For example, receives a plus two to repair. It's all presented as fluff. As someone who's a role player at heart, I like this. Less, well, less, less math, more abstraction. Like the crew selection, your ship and lander choices determine their capabilities such as speed, cargo, and so forth. Now that you've got your crew, your ship, and your lander, it's time to determine if you want to play an adventure mode, formerly explorer mode, which is the normal difficulty setting, rogue mode, which is the hard difficulty, and as of the other day, the new story mode for easy difficulty. You do have the option to skip or complete the tutorial, which will kind of sort of teach you the basics of playing the various minigames required for successful, uh, successfully exploring the universe. Once into the body of the game, you'll find the long journey home to be interesting at first, but repetitive quickly. Due to the procedural nature of the game, there are an effective infinite number of universes in which to play, and the alien interactions provide you with the opportunity to buy, sell, fight, flee, receive rumors, receive information, and generally make friends and enemies throughout your trip home. To me, the exploration part of the game is very reminiscent of exploring, mining, and the first contact, so to speak, in uh, Star Control 2, with more options to make friends and enemies, and a lot less forgiveness of mistakes, and a greater struggle to heal and repair. With that said, the majority of your time in the game will be playing what is essentially nothing more than a collection of mini-games, with some interesting alien conversations thrown in to break the monotony. The three mini-games include Curbling Your Way Into Orbit, trying not to crash into asteroids, and bleep this bleepy bleepin' lander! I guess restarting and replaying every lander mission until you succeed without exploding and without bruising and battering your pilot is where the overall game length comes from. Ugh. So here's, here's the update. As I previously stated, after both internet outcry and some pretty poignant reviews from respected popular sources, the Long Journey Home went through a pretty major update just a couple of days after the, its initial launch. 
In what I would consider a partially condescending in-character post, the developers of the game state that the new story mode is aimed primarily at new astronauts and those without the time to fully embrace the chaos and challenge of the universe and encourage astronauts to step up to the challenge as soon as they feel comfortable. As someone who plays survival games, I like a challenge. I like knowing that I'll need skill, luck, and understanding of game principles to succeed. Permadeath does not scare me as long as I don't feel the game is intentionally fighting against me and either overly complex, or in the case of a long journey home, stubbornly uncontrollable. Story mode makes the game easier in all respects, except for the one area that matters, lander control. While this update made the lander tougher, it's still a pain in the backside to control. So what are the pros, strengths, uh, weaknesses, cons of the game? First of all, pros. The premise, the idea of a simplified 4X meets sci-fi survival meets RPG has me totally stoked. That's why I got it without actually, well, I very rarely review games before I play them anyway. What's the fun in that? For me, the game is worth the price of, for the premise alone, if the premise was implemented. <laughs> the graphics and music, the game is beautiful and the FTL event is something I could watch over and over. Some people don't like the 2D nature of the mini games, but those didn't bother me at all. The alien factions and their diversity, in this game, you are lost humans in an unknown part of the universe. You're not the presumed or, or even the accidental saviors of the galaxy. You're just some schmucks who got lost and need to befriend, ignore, kill, escape your way to fueling and repairing your ride back home. And you're treated as such. I like that. I, I, you, you, yeah, I like that. The cons of the game are the repetition. The three minigames never really change. Personally, I, I don't mind kerbling into orbit each time, nor do I even mind the Asteroid Sector minigame and combat. I do wish there were more variations on that theme. However, and this is the con of cons, Dalek Entertainment and Dalek Studio West can eat a bag of poo with regard to the Planetary Lander minigame. I read some posts which state that using a controller makes the Lander minigame easier, so I tried it. Yes, using a controller makes it easier to pilot the Lander. Let me explain to you something. Quite clearly, I am a PC gamer, not a console gamer. I pay, play PC games to not use a controller. I hate controllers, and I suck with controllers. The only reason I even have a controller is because a friend of mine gave it to me. If you make a game for PC, it is your obligation to make the mouse and keyboard controls tolerably playable. If not for the sadistic lander gameplay, I would generally say The Long Journey Home is an average to above average game, if somewhat simple and repetitive in scope. You could use a bit more variation in terms of the asteroid events and alien interaction, and maybe some crew character development, but none of this is what I'd consider bad in its current state. It's just that I'd say it simply has room to grow. For what it is right now, I do think the game is overpriced. This is a $20 game, not a $40 game. And if not for the extra gameplay I put in to ensure an accurate review, I would have returned the game to Steam for a full refund. I simply cannot excuse the lander issues. It's not fun, it's not interesting, and does not add to the game. A planet labeled as harmless should cause the lander to dang near be on autopilot. On one world I came in so hot that using the max thrust did not save me from crashing into the ground, and it was not even a high gravity world! Please, keep all the landing features like wind, heat, gravity, so forth. 
Just make the darn lander controllable with a mouse and keyboard. Especially on a world labeled harmless. So my overall rating for this game, well, it's two and a half stars as you see there. I originally gave the game a rating of two, a poor rating. With story mode changes, I have to bump it up to a weak 2.5. An average game, just barely. The lander still may be hard to control, but knowing that using a controller will help, and knowing that the lander's a bit more survivability calms the frayed nerves a little. If Daedalic Studios West ever fixes the lander control with mouse and keyboard, The Long Journey Home becomes a solid three-star game. It's a phenomenal concept with great visuals and the start of a potentially epic experience. Add a bit more depth to break up the minigame monotony and the game could easily reach a four-star rating. In its current state, however, it's an accurate representation of the idea fairy run amok. Great and hopeful ideas combined with perversely punishing controls and repetitive minigames. It's the start of something great that hasn't reached and may never reach the greatness finish line. All right, so two and a half stars. And that is it for me. I cannot thank you enough for watching this segment of the Legion Myth Livestream. If you had a good time or if you have some comments you'd like to make regarding my review, please be sure to like this video, subscribe to the Legion Myth channel, and comment on one of our social media sites. I'd love to hear from you. Now back to Garthon and Heathen Dog. Take it away, guys. Well, that was certainly powerful. Yes, and I want to I want to uh, iterate for everyone here that uh, the gameplay you saw in the background was his actual gameplay. You can watch it on on our YouTube channel uh, um, after after this segment. Don't do it right now. As that lander was dragged through the thorn fields. <laughs> yes. Now, now uh, to be fair, um, the the lander is uh, the equivalent of a flying truck i mean it is so, so it you is actually difficult. have played this as well i have played this as well yes uh i i watched him play he had so much problem i said you know what i have to try it and <laughs> and i bought it off steam i played it for the hour and then i returned it because i didn't like the game but uh the lander was really hard to control but i was getting better at it Max just wasn't getting better at it because he's not he's not good with the with with this People. type of physics. Oh, physics. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, with the, with the, with the with the physics physics of of uh, of the lander itself. He's not good with it. All right. So, it's it, it, this the, this this game was was not made for his skill set and I get it. And he's not the only one out there obviously because everyone complained about it and uh and they 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 made their quote unquote easy mode and his his uh um, his uh, his re review of the the whole uh, oh you know if if you're not ready to be an actual astronaut you can use the story mode yeah that is a giant f you from the from from, from the, the developers the yeah from the from the developers and that was just a bad move that was wrong you could have went okay we're we're sorry we, we 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 thought this would be interesting if it was hard let's make it a little easier for you just just so you could you know ease into it and then maybe graduate to something harder later on and you know sorry you know we only had two game modes usually all all games have three game modes easy normal and hard all we had was normal and hard here's your easy we're really sorry this is 
Zarbat. They could have done that and it would have been fine. But no, they, they went the other way with it and, and blamed everyone else and not them. They were insulting anyone who's not as cool and elite as they are. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I, I don't own a controller, and I was able to get better at the lander. And uh, he went, when in the video, when, when he said that uh, he was at full thrust and, and crashed into a planet, that's true. That did happen. But that was a high-gravity world. He said it was an average-gravity world. It wasn't. It was a high-gravity world. I watched the video. It was a high gravity world, but even on a high gravity world, okay, if you are at full thrust from the first second of landing and you ski and you literally crash into the ground, something wrong with your game. Yeah, right? something a little wrong with that. Yeah, something wrong with your game. You know, ha having having a, 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 a stock lander and, and hitting a high gravity world and almost crashing being full thrust all the way almost crashing but pulling at the last second is believable if you have upgraded thrusters and upgraded lander that those are, are when when a high gravity world becomes economical because in this game you have to worry about fuel consumption because you have to you have to mine asteroids and 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 land on planets to get to, to get elements to get fuel for both your lander your ship and uh, minerals to, to repair your lander in your ship to get yourself back home. So some, sometimes you have to go for a high gravity world because dang it, it your scans say it's, it's got the, the, the cadmium that you need for your reactor or it's, or it's got, got the, the massive amounts of iron ore you need to repair your, your ailing ship. So you know having a high gravity world and a stock lander be completely incompatible is a bad move and they made that bad move in this game. So yes, I mean, I, I, it is it is it was painful watching his videos, just because I, I I have empathy for the man. I like him. He's my friend. I want him to do well. I want him to succeed. But in this game, he just it it it's, this game was just not built for him. And he's not the only one out there. It's not built for a lot of people. His two and a half is is smack on i mean i i would have to give it a two and a half as well but he played it for far longer than i did so he did he has he has more right to his two and a half than i do but i will i will say i will chime my two cents that i agree that his his two and a half is spot on so you're saying I mean, you agree with his two and a half but he probably was actually being generous with his two and a half judging by the way his experience seemed to be yeah, the only reason he gave it a two and a half is is because they they, they made the the lander easier in in what they call quote unquote story. Right, mode. he was going to do the two. Yes, he was going to give it a two, even without that. I didn't have the story mode. I didn't use the story. Mode. I, I used I used regular. I used the the the, uh, the normal setting, and uh, I I was able to to uh, to learn the lander uh, a lot a lot quicker than he was. I, I don't think he learned it at all. I mean, I, I watched all of the videos and he did not get better with the lander at all but that i i believe that uh that uh, the designers of the game did not take into account that 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 some people just aren't gonna get this they're not and i get that you know some some people cannot look through a scope and do microsurgery all right those are the guys that that those are the guys and girls who wash out of surgery they, they become general practitioners you know some people just can't get it and that's a lot of the people, man. That's all. Not 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 a lot of people can can perform micro microsurgery through through a scope, and that's what landing the lander in normal mode sometimes feel like, especially on high gravity worlds. It 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 feels like 
that that you you are you are performing laparoscopic surgery. Yes, yes. So I, I, I completely get his his review. I, I, I get his trials and tribulations with the game. And and uh, I, I agree with him on most most everything of, of what he said. I mean, it was absolutely true, it's, especially the developer's response to people saying this lander thing is too hard. I completely agree with uh, with his assessment of their response. So, yeah, there, there, there's my take on that. All right. Well, thank you, Max Leo, for your review. We appreciate it. Always worth looking at. Uh, make sure, of course, to check out more of Max Leo's videos on the Legion of Myth YouTube channel. And again, I blame uh, Heathen Dog for making me forget to run that earlier. I but let's go back to some RNG stuff. Uh, I was talking about terrible cross-promotion. On Memorial Day, a day meant for where in America we get the day off from work in general. Most people do. Uh, it's supposed to be a day to remember those who have fallen fighting in America's many wars throughout the years. Um, right. Right. It's a solemn occasion where you go out and generally people barbecue because the weather's starting to turn good. Yes. On that day, Marvel put out a thing on their webpage through Facebook, through Twitter, of an animated GIF of Captain America with an American flag waving the background saying, you know, Marvel salutes our fallen heroes. And everyone immediately said, really? You uh, salute him with a giant picture of Captain Hydra? Great job, guys. Uh, so it turned into a big thing very quickly. Every nerd is like, really, Marvel? Do you read your own comics? This guy's the biggest villain you have right now, and you're saying he is the person? Other people try suggesting many other characters in Marvel's catalog who are veterans. I mean, lots of people are saying it's not a real person. Why do people so butthurt? Yeah, we know. It's the idea. Well, that... yeah, I understand. Yeah, they, they they could have done the whole uh, uh, Sam, what's his name? Because he is a re yes. he is an actual veteran, and he was Captain America for a while. So, ta-da! In the comics, he's answer. not a veteran. Oh, really? Dang it. That's, That's in the movies. the movies. But a lot of people brought up Sam Wilson. In the movies, he's a veteran. Um, he might be a veteran due to one of the reboots, but his original history was he was not in the military at all. Uh, but they also could have brought... It, they could have shown... Uh, Nick Fury. They could have shown the Howling Commandos. They could have shown a lot of people from the World War II catalog. They could have shown the Winter Soldier. Even would have been okay, because he was a hero who was brainwashed and but still became good in the end. The Punisher was a veteran. Heck, why not put the Punisher out there? I mean, you didn't. You could have just put an American flag. Sam Wilson would have been a better, better choice, even you know, like like you said, even though maybe his history had it or not, depending how it is now. No matter what, you should not have put Captain America there, just because right now he is your main villain. He is yeah. literally Hitler, right? Yeah, now. I mean, right off the top of my head, what they should have done is every single Marvel character who, in in their in their backstory, what was a veteran, saluting. Right, something in, like in, that. In a giant, in in in, in a giant panoramic shot. Right, you know, that would have been great. That would have been awesome. That that, that 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 would have done it, and and if you want to put Captain America in there, you you put him in the back, and not saluting. Yeah, after just about everyone, or you don't even put him in there, you know, or put him in the back saluting and just kind of hope people don't really care too much because everyone else is there. But if you're having a situation where you're having this guy be the main villain for your entire universe, 
for the past year, people aren't going to forget that who read your comics. Yep, horrible mistake. Right, and horrible I th- Marvel ended up pulling that because so many people just immediately flamed them on it. Like, no, 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 you don't get to play this both ways. You don't get to both play him as the evil villain and as the hero to be looked up to. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. And there was a lot of nerd rage over it. There was, of course, that people had to put, you know, he's just a comic book or cartoon character, man. What's your issue? It's all pointless anyway. Well, no, they're trying to... I'm sure that there's some genuine genuine feeling behind it, like, you know, that the people that actually, like, do, honestly, you know, say, hey, thank you to those who, who gave sacrifice. It means a lot to us. I mean, Stan Lee himself was a veteran of World War II. He wasn't, you know, frontline combatant by any means, but he was a veteran of World War II. But you... And Cap is always depicted as being a veteran of World War II. But a lot of times people put these things out, the companies do, because it brings awareness of their brand. Like, oh, Marvel cares about this thing, so maybe I'll check out their products, you know? But if right now you put a picture of their greatest villain out there, it's just bad press. It was just an overall bad idea. It made Marvel look foolish, like they don't even understand what is going on in their own books. So there was rightly controversy about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like there's a there's a big disconnect between marketing and uh, what's actually going on. Right. It seemed like the marketing department weren't even reading Marvel's books, which isn't surprising because Marvel sales are tanking so bad they probably don't buy their own books. Sad. It is sad. I mean, Marvel's best-selling books are selling like half of DC's best-selling books right now. And that's deserved, because Marvel's best-selling books are still kind of crap. The Amazing Spider-Man, I think, is their best-selling book, and it's not that good. So, what are you going to do? Marvel makes... Uh, the Wonder Woman movie, from everything I've heard, I didn't get a chance to see it because of I was working so much. Uh, the Wonder Woman movie, from everything I've heard, including from BT Mike, which currently in the chat, uh, that it is fantastic. But that's like DC's only good movie. Honestly, They're yeah, all- I know. I mean, I, the, I, I, I quit on on DC. I mean, by the law, movie wise, uh, I, I quit at uh, at uh, uh, Superman, uh, Batman versus. I, I quit right. at that point. I saw that. And I'm like, you know what? I gave you chances. I mean, you Superman. To be fair, was ruined with Superman Returns. Ruined Superman for me. Ruined him. Turned him into a deadbeat dad. With a son who's a killer. Yep. And I was done with that. I'm like, no, I'm done with Superman. And then, and then Superman, they they try to do it again. And then this Superman looks more like a man instead of a boy. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll give it a shot. And they turn him into a killer again. Him into a killer, not his son, but him. They turn him into a murderer. Oh no, he saved. He saved those the, the that family those the, those the man the woman and the child. They, yes, he did, but the the real Superman in Superman two took away their powers, didn't kill them. Now in in the in the actual in the actual version that was not cut, they were captured and arrested because now they had no powers. Right. 
Yeah, they kind of cut that scene out for the yeah. film, but it made it look kind of look like, oh no, he killed them by making them fall in holes in the Fortress of Solitude. No, can't, no, no, he did. No, he didn't kill them. That's just how it happened. And and the what really irks me about Superman Returns was that uh, the uh, the whole story took place was told was said explicitly that it took place after the original Superman two, and at the end of the original Superman two. Superman spoke to the president as he was putting the American flag back on top of the White House that was ruined, said, I'm sorry, I was gone for a while. It'll never happen again. And then two weeks later, yes. And then two weeks later, he gets a a supposed signal from Krypton or or outpost from Krypton and leaves. Nope. Sorry, dude. You lost me. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Nope. Nope. You lost me there because you said he'd never, he'd never leave again. And now he's leaving. Nope. Nope. Done. Yep. So yeah, from jump that movie was trash, and I thought it could only get better, but no, it got worse. You know what? You know, you you know the the only good Superman story that to come out in the last twenty years, freaking Smallville, okay? And it's got its problems, but at least at least it stays true to the actual actual comic Superman I grew up with. Not a killer, raised raised to to be a hero you know raised that by 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 people who were loving and understanding and and he learned being a more a morally wonderful person from the people around him i thought that was awesome thought that was great now with the whole with the whole uh movie uh now kevin costner yeah Okay, he yeah, personally I don't I don't like him that much, but as an actor I respect him. He's good, and and he he did he did a good good job acting in the movie. But the writing for his character was if if he was Superman's father in real life, like what he would uh, like 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 the, the the scene where he was chastising his son for saving a busload of children. You could have been seen. Well, what was I supposed to do? Let them all die, and then the writing went to crap and he said yeah maybe or something like yeah that. maybe it's like what maybe. no like, no what? no no there is no way you you make a superman out of that the the you well you, that's you, why when he's oh, beating up you God. know zod and knocking down half metropolis he's like well dad would have said these people got to die so i can stop zod exactly all these buildings are knocking over with all the people made. in it good job good good job buddy you made a superman that that did not take the fight away from a major, major, major metropolitan area like the original Superman two did. He yep. saw the people were in trouble. He saw that they were going to get hurt in this fight, and he moved the fight. Sure, people thought he was retreating. Zod thought he was winning, but he was saving lives by taking the fight somewhere else where people were not. That was awesome. It was smart. It's what Superman does. It's what he's supposed to do. And in the in the movies lately, they have failed to understand that Superman outside Superman in a room of normal people is the smartest man in the room. Superman in a room with Lex Luthor is only slightly less smarter than Lex Luthor. Okay, they, they, they I wouldn't could... say slightly, but Lex Luthor is a super genius. Yes, Lex Luthor is a super genius, but uh, Superman is. But Superman is smarter than your average person. 
definitely oh, much. He's smart. Much. He's he thinks faster. He's more capable. Yes. He's more confident. He's able to reach decisions quicker. Yes, I mean uh, that 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 is his his Kryptonian heritage. I mean, uh, Krypton was an his, amazing society, and his parents super, were both super scientists. Yes, exactly. I mean, it, the, he he, he uh, probably he would is, have grown up to be a super scientist if he was on Krypton. He was the he was the winner of the genetic lottery on his planet, and his his planet was the winner of the genetic lottery of the universe, basically. Right. I mean, you know, they they made a couple of stupid decisions. And that, that got them into a whole thing, and it was all political. It was crap, but that there there was nothing wrong with their science. It was sound, and that, that that's that's because all of them were were logical beings. I mean, uh, the only the only reason that that Superman has all of the range of emotion that he does is because he grew up around humans, but his his mind is all genetically Kryptonian. He right. thinks faster. He, he comes to decisions faster. He sees options more quickly and, and he can, uh, he, he can, he can, uh, he can uh, go, go through scenarios in his head before he, before he makes an action much faster than any other person could almost any other person could and, and still get the, and, and get the job done in a, in a correct fashion. But in the, in the, in the movies that they're doing now, he's just a dude. He he he's a dude with with Superman powers. That that's what they're making him, and I hate it. Yep. Hate it. Yep, I agree. I agree. So, what was your original point? I completely forget. I got on, I got on my rant. And I, <laughs> exactly. I went completely gone. I, I, uh, I, I went off uh, the rails. We were talking on that. about how DC's movies, except for Wonder Woman, have all sucked. And honestly, by the law well, of averages, I, I they would do a good movie. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. Right. But uh, yeah, I haven't seen Wonder Woman yet, just like you, so I, I can't say if it's good or bad. Uh, BT Micam says it's good. Okay, great. I'll give yeah. it a shot. Yeah, I want to see it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it. I mean, I, I would like to see a good DC movie someday. Right, but so, also, but Marvel's movies have, by and large, been very good. Yes. Uh, however, yes, I mean, Marvel's... How, has it been luck? I don't know. Well, no, they've been planning better. But also, Marvel's comics, though, have taken a pretty steady, slow but steady decline with minor bumps every time they do some crazy event. Very minor bumps. And every time they do it, they are having diminishing returns. The bump is smaller, and they go down faster afterwards because they are bleeding subscribers and readers hard. Part of that is due to the terrible business model currently set up under Diamond Distributors for almost all comic books, um, in which all right, the way comic books used to be sold is at newsstands. What would happen is the guy at the newsstand would say, yeah, I guess give me 10 of each book or, or whatever, and they'd get the books, and the ones that didn't sell, you would tear the covers off and ship them back to the printer, and you would get your money back for unsold books. And by doing so... Everyone gets a good idea of what's selling and what isn't. And so they can adjust better, like what they want to buy and what they want to sell, things like that. The way it works now is because everything has gone through... All comics have to come through Diamond Distributors now. Which Why is, is that? Um, there were other distributing companies for a while, but they all got outpriced by Diamond. So everyone just started going with Diamond. They had the best distribution, and everyone else went out of business. Or if they weren't going out of business, Diamond bought them. So they have a functional monopoly right now, which sucks. So 
the way it works now is you have to go and the comic stores have to tell Diamond what how many issues they want. Instead of like the the distributor, like Marvel can't just send the guy 100 books and say, hey, whatever doesn't sell, send us back, which is what they used to do. Right? It was Marvel themselves or DC themselves saying, I think I can sell this much. Now it's down to the comic store owner says, I guess I could sell 50 of these. And so they'll go to order 50, but then Marvel will say, hey, if you order 100, we'll also give you these free uh, 1 100 variant covers, which you could then sell in your store for extra money. Or they'll say, if you also buy 25 issues of this other comic book, then we'll give you this freebie, right? So they start trying to pressure comic store to buy extra issues then. But even so, even if they don't do that, they'll say their guess, okay, I, this is Marvel's promoting their new big summer event. Um, they have these packages. It's going to be great, they say. I'll buy 50 issues. And then let's say they sell 10 issues of Secret Empire number two because everyone knows it's crap. Thanks to us. Well, right, thanks to us. They now have 40 issues of this book in their store. They've paid for them. They can do nothing with it. You can't send it back for money. You are stuck with this giant stinking pile of poo you cannot sell. No, no. The, the only thing they can do with them is give them to homeless people to help them keep warm in the winter. Right. Usually they'd have thrown them. On fire. I've actually seen them get some of these get donated to like Goodwill or something. Uh, a lot of times they'll throw them in their dollar bins, like a dollar a book after a month or so, just as so they could get something out of them. It's still a loser on them financially. And so because of that, because of the current distribution model, stores are not willing to take risks on a new book that might actually sell pretty well. Um, or let's say they get five issues of something that sounds interesting and it sells out. And everyone else is coming, oh, where can I get a book of this? They're like, I didn't know it would sell this well, and they got to wait for the next shipment. And probably those customers are going to go somewhere else. And under the old model, if the comic company knew it was really good and knew it was going to sell a bunch, they would just ship a bunch to the guy and take the risk themselves of having it sent back. Um, so under the new business model, uh, especially with the way they're doing the variant covers, in which you have to buy insane amounts of issues to get these variant covers that some of the hardcore collectors just got to have, you're really punishing the guys trying to sell your book at the end. And so they're not willing to take risks. And so they're not going to order extra books in case it sells well. They're not going to take those chances. They're going to order minimums. They're going to order fewer of your books because of this. And that's been happening with DC and Marvel. Marvel's been harder hit by it because Marvel's been playing the variant covers game for too long. They've been playing the new issue ones twice a year game for too long. And so due to that, um, they, they keep losing readership because they keep hot-shotting special events. They can't keep an artist on a book. Um, every three issues, it's a new artist. And that drives away readership. It does not – they keep saying, oh, we have reboots number ones to encourage new readers. That does not encourage new readers. It confuses new readers. Like, well, if if Spider-Man has been around since the 1960s, why is, it, why is it on issue one? Why are there four different series of Spider-Man? Which one should I get? Why are they all at issue one? You know, it doesn't make any sense to a new reader. That's the kind of confusion we're getting. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that, yes. 
And so when Marvel goes and makes an event like Secret Empire and then doesn't even understand its own cross promotions with Memorial Day and things like that, and that just creates more confusion among buyers, you're not going to get people walking the stores to buy your books, especially when it costs about four bucks a comic book nowadays. It's not like when we were kids, you would be in the grocery store and you could see an issue of Wolverine for 89 cents and say, hey, mom, get me that book. And they go, uh, all right, it's 89 cents. No, that doesn't happen. Now it's like, I'm not paying nearly five bucks for that. You know, and then yeah, they're not even available in the grocery stores or the 7-Elevens like they used to be. You have to. Yeah, get... I remember. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Go go, go into my, my my neighborhood 7-Eleven and, and seeing the comic rack. Yeah, you don't the see whole, comic racks anymore. Yeah, exactly. The whole cylindrical spinny rack thing where you can spin it around and look at it. You don't know. That's and that's gone. due to the whole diamond distributors thing. Super. They don't have as wide a distribution as they used to. They have decided to focus entirely on boutique stores, which in one way works out better because you're definitely have a more dedicated audience. But on the other hand, you're not getting that wide net. I bought a lot of issues of comics in 7-Eleven I normally wouldn't have touched. But I was like, yeah, it looks kind of neat. I got a buck. I got two bucks. And nowadays, oh, I'm like, oh, that looks neat. I'm not paying four bucks for it, though. I might leave through it at the store. But you're not going to get a casual audience. You're not going to be able to hook that kid who sees that cover and goes, oh, wow, Spider-Man's the coolest, because he's not seeing the comic books. He's only going to see the books after he watches Spider-Man and the movies are on TV and goes in to get it. And then he'll read it and go, I don't understand any of this. I'm not saying those things need to be the same. Honestly, you can't reboot to issue one everything and keep changing his past over and over again and not know how much you're destroying your characters. That's enough about that, though. You do anything interesting recently, Heath the Dog? Oh, geez, let's see. Um, I've been practicing my uh, my StarCraft for when uh, when when I when I finish my uh, uh, Star Trek Online run. Oh, you've actually been practicing so you don't look totally incompetent. Exactly, exactly. I'm not going to be elite. Don't don't make any assumption about that. But uh, apparently, I am uh, I am up the have the level of normal difficulty down. Nice. Yes, normal difficulty is my is my wheelhouse right now, so uh, it's it's going to be that. Uh, but uh, I I went through the the entire Wings of Liberty storyline uh, just to do it again because like I said it's been almost God when when did that come out? Two thousand five. I really don't know. No, two thousand ten, something like that. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been uh, uh, almost a decade since that since it came out. But uh, so I hadn't played it since then. So, uh, so I, I went and, and went and replayed it, and I realized, wow, I'm slow. I got to get faster at this. So I played a whole bunch, and I got a little faster. I'm still not not super at the hockey's. I'm not, you know, competitive level. Don't don't do any of that competitive level crap when I when I start the StarCraft. But uh, it's it it uh, I love the story, and all of the cutscenes are awesome. Oh yeah, Blizzard really knows how to put together a cutscene. Oh yeah, yeah, they're 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 friggin' masters at that, and uh, all all of, like I said, all the cutscenes are awesome. So I, I liked watching all those, and uh, the 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 story itself is good, and uh, mm, man, I'm I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna have fun playing it on 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 Twitch. I'm gonna have fun playing it. I I really want people to uh, to interact with me. So I, what 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 I really want is is people to come up and say, hey, try this build. Try this build order. I'm like, 
Okay. I'll try the build order. I would love to do that. I want, I want to do that because, uh, my, I, I, my build order is, is a very, 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 very Terran build order, which is turtling at first. And every other way I try to do it, it gets weird for me. I, I lose sometimes. So, uh, you know, if, if, if someone has a non, non, uh, turtle build order ter for Terrans, I'll, I'll try it. You know, that'd be great. I, I, I want that kind of thing. It'll help me grow. It'll, it'll, it'll engage your audience. I'd love to do that. And, uh, so that's what I'm looking for. All right. Very cool. Uh, another thing that's been a little bee in my bonnet recently is the Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood expansion is coming out soon. And in that, there are a lot of pretty big changes coming to the game. They're reworking the way almost every class functions. They're adding uh, class-specific uh, bars, like you'll charge up an ability or a special attack or some special ability. Uh, every class is getting some special thing like that, which is kind, which is neat. I'm for all that kind of stuff. But with the healer classes, which are uh, Astrologian, Scholar, and White Mage, they're going through a bunch of changes, and essentially they're taking away a whole bunch of White Mage abilities um, and just making them common abilities to all the healers, so White Mage is losing a bunch of abilities. Whereas Astrologian is getting more powerful, way more powerful. Wait, 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 wait. They're not losing abilities. They're just losing exclusive rights to the abilities. No, they're taking abilities away. They're coming off the hotbars. They don't exist anymore. Oh, wow. Okay, never mind. And a few other abilities that like would like knock back and do damage, now just knock back and do damage. Um, abilities that every White Mage player has been complaining about for a long time, seeing are useless. Um, like one of those repose that puts one person to sleep. Um, which is kind of useful at mid-levels, but generally useless skill. They're keeping. I was like, why? That's useless. Please get rid of this. Don't get rid of our useful abilities. So they're, we end up with, the White Mage is up with a lot less abilities. And their new special gauge um, randomly, like basically you have to build up lilies, they call it. Basically you have to like charge this thing um, with up to three or four. I think it's up to four lilies. They call it, and certain abilities give you a random 20% chance of getting a lily. Once you fill the fill the fill the meter up with the four lilies, you can activate it to gain a 20% increase in cast speed for a few seconds. Okay, that sounds okay, except Astrologian can do that with one of their cards that they just do as one of their abilities. They can give the whole team plus 20%. Bing, done, easily, no prob, over and over again, and they're not relying on a 20%. Uh, proc that you need to happen four times to make that ability happen. And on top of it, that ability is so useless, it's something that astrologers don't even use. They just use it to feed other abilities to make other abilities more powerful. So, your white mage's big trick is something another class can already do and doesn't even use it because it's pointless. Yay. Uh, so, basically, all the white mage players are pretty enraged. Because they have now definitively, from every all, everything shown in the producer's letters, all the abilities they've shown, everything they've d demonstrated, White Mage has definitively become the weakest healing class. Which is really strange, because White Mage is supposed to be your absolute most powerful, strongest healing class that does the least amount of damage of all the healers. Now it does the least amount of damage and the least amount of healing. And it's insane. Um, so of course, all the White Mage players are just freaking out um, either the, but then again, the expansion isn't launched yet. 
So who knows what actual effects are, but from everything you could read, everything they've shown, it seems pretty strong that White Mage got really hosed, and no one can understand why, because White Mage has not been the strongest healer for a while. And now they're just really getting kicked in the teeth. And no one understands why. Um, no one's been able to put up a successful defense of why these changes happened. Everyone's kind of, eh, maybe it's not that bad, is the most you'll get. Um, mainly Astrologian players are laughing because when their class was first created, it was the weakest healer class and kind of and the weakest of the damage dealing healers. Now it's unarguably the most powerful of the healers uh, with all the way they can buff entire parties, do more damage, do more healing, and white mage is just why would even bother bringing one when you could bring an Astrologian or a Scholar who became more powerful as well. Um, They've actually gone to the point on their forums of taking all the threads complaining about white mage changes and consolidating them. And they put an official response saying the dev team is reading these. Uh, we're looking into these issues. We understand your your frustrations. We're trying to see, you know, if they're, basically if they're valid. They didn't say if they're valid, but they're trying, you know, basically trying to placate everyone. Of course, the question for that is, are they really reading that? Are they really checking? Are they really saying, you know, maybe this is a bad idea and we should change things? Or are they just saying, look, shut up, we don't care. We're going to shove you all in one one thread so we don't have to read it. You know, that could be happening too. But as a primary white mage player, I'm not going to say I'm enraged. I'm just a little sad because it's when you start getting into the abilities, yeah, it looks like white mage gets really super hosed. And I guess they're trying to say, don't play White Mage, because that's pretty much what it looks like. Which is weird, because White Mage is one of the iconic classes. The iconic classes being a Warrior. And this is like the Final Fantasy 1 classes. Warrior, White Mage, Black Mage, um, Monk. You know, Thief. Well, Thief becomes Ninja, Monk becomes Black Belt. But you're saying, Doc, those are the iconic Final Fantasy One classes. White Mage is one of them. And they're just super hosed by classes introduced in other Final Fantasy games. So it makes me sad. But I will update you as I find out more information about it. Good. I'd, I'd like to know. I mean, because I, 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 watch, your, I watch your stream and uh, you seem to be doing well. I mean, uh, I, I, don't, I don't watch you failing at all in, in groups and in uh in solo play either so uh, no i'm a uh i'm a i'm a pretty good healer with my white mage i am definitely competent i'm not gonna say i'm great i do get a lot of players who say wow you heal better than most white mages i've ever seen which is a great compliment but nowadays i definitely feel it when you're a white mage that when i play my astrologian I'm not as good with Astrologian. I'm not. I'm not as keyed into when to use all my abilities and stuff like that. But I could heal really well with an Astrologian without much practice. Whereas with my White Mage, it's my primary. I play it all the time, so I know when to key everything. And I know how to keep it going. And I know how not to run out of mana. Whereas with a Scholar, it's, it's a joke. You know, healing is easy with a Scholar. It's awesome. Healing's easy with an, with an Astrologian nowadays. You just gotta, you know, you can... So the Astrologian could focus more on their card rotation, getting buffs into everyone, and healing's almost secondary. Um, so the problem with the White Mage is, right now, I could keep up healing with all the other classes and still look come off pretty good. But I cannot keep up their damage output at the same time. So 
a white mage even currently is not really desirable in a raid if you can get a scholar. You have two healers, and it's definitely preferable to have an astrologian and a scholar and not a not a white mage. If you got to have a white mage, eh, you'll do okay, but it's not your primary healer. Uh, the white mage... Traditionally, the white mage's focus in this game is mega big burst healing, especially single target. Like, if your main tank is going up against a big bad guy and you need a dedicated healer, throw the white mage on. Because the white mage can keep him up without a sweat. And they're changing that. And now you can just have the scholar do it. You can have the scholar keep up everyone. Yeah. White mages have a lot of good stuff for the whole party, but they've lost their great big ability to do those super big bursts. They have, well, still have Benediction, which is like a heal everything button. But you definitely start feeling you're not really up to the other healers. And if the expansion makes it worse, it's going to be bad. And I'll probably stop playing White Mage, because even though it's my favorite, I'll just go to Scholar or Astrologian. That's sad. It is sad. I mean, every every class should be valid for its role, but also feel unique. And right now, uh, Square Enix has done a great job in Final Fantasy XIV in making every class feel unique. Um, but there is currently a few issues with some classes where you you're kind of groan when you see them. Like, ugh, one of these. Not that they're pointless, but like any other choice would be better in that role. Uh, some of the, like monk right now is one of those roles where if you see a monk come in, you're like ugh. Especially lower level dungeons, like ugh. Their other melee DPS are way better. They're not bad; they're functional. But it looks like white mage kind of already has, but it's definitely becoming the healer that if you're they show up, you're like ugh. Why is it a white mage? I'd rather have a scholar. You know, because they're taking away a lot of the White Mage's unique abilities. Like Stone Skin. You know? That's going away. It's just gone. Not replaced by anything. What? It's gone. Yeah. They're no, I, I, I remember the, 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 the last time I watched, I asked about Stone Skin. And, and uh, I was, you know, I was like, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And Yeah. it's ex Basically, it's extra health. You know, so that yeah. the Stone Skin. Yeah. They're getting rid of that ability entirely. They're and replacing it with? Nothing. Like I said, oh, White Mage is losing a ton of abilities. The other healers aren't. So it, it no, I no one understands the, the, the logic behind what they're doing. Um, they made a couple of White Mage's heals a little more powerful, but not more, uh, not significantly so. Not so much more powerful. You think, wow, that's better than the other healers. It's not, especially with the other healers' ability to buff themselves, or like the Scholar has a fairy that goes around healing for free. So we can't compete with that. You know, white mages can't compete. It's, it's just kind of sad. Whereas it, what it should be, you know, by the by the original layout of what Square Enix was saying, like what the classes do, your white mage is supposed to be your most powerful healer. They're supposed to do bring the heals. They're not good at damage. They're not good at taking damage. They're not good at mitigating damage. But they bring the heals. They're not like scholars were really good at like lowering damage, preventing damage. And healers were able to, okay, I can't stop you from taking much damage. I got stone skin, that's about it. But I could bring the heals. And if you get hurt, you'll be fine. I'll bring you back. And now they've changed that. And so white mages can't really bring the heals more than the other classes can. The other classes can mitigate damage, increase party damage, and bring the heals. And you can't. Yay.
Wow. That's, yeah, it's that sounds awful. It does sound awful. Um, but, like I said, we'll see how it actually shakes out once the expansion rolls around. Um, I'm also planning with the new expansion, uh, once I get through the main story quest, I'm probably going to be leveling Samurai, because that sounds interesting. I might just go to Samurai right away, as soon as I can. Just If uh, if White Mage is hosed, like it seems it might be, I might just start running to Samurai as soon as I can, just to see how that is. Melee date, DPS, but Samurai are cool, right? Yeah, I mean, especially if you got the right look. That's right, I don't have that. But Samurai are cool. Well, the Samurai armor and sets, they shouldn't look really cool. I mean, they also have Red Mage as a new introduced class. Um, Red Mage is probably more my style, honestly. But you have to. Red Mage has a weird mechanic where you switch back and forth between melee and ranged, which sounds really neat. But I already play a lot of casters, so I think it might be interesting just to do something completely different and do a melee DPS. Sounds fair. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, it's getting about that time. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, Heathen Dog? No, I think I have ranted and raved as much as I can today. I would like to say that in the chat, BJ Mikem has said that uh, uh, he liked the Wonder Woman movie. Uh, he's not sure how they changed her background from what it was in the comics, but he liked it. And I'd let him know that Wonder Woman has multiple backgrounds in the comics, and so they could have gone with any of them. Um, they keep going back and forth to whether she actually had a birth father or whether she was made of clay or what. Um, but he said he hasn't I like read. the clay one personally. Everyone prefers that one, except for Greg Rucka, who sucks. Um, who rewrote her as having a father, and it's like dark, not dark side, but some dude. It, it's terrible. Anyway, uh, Beach Mike says, Not that I have not read any Wonder Woman comics, so I do not have that background to compare the movie to. My previous Wonder Woman exposure is the TV series. Comparing the movie to that series, they're similar enough to work, even with some of the origin tweaks the movie did. Um, Michael says the movie origin is Clay. Well, good. That's the classic origin and the one that makes the most sense. Outstanding. Yeah, because she actually, none of the none of the origins ever said definitively, definitively she had a father until the New 52 reboot, in which case they said she had a father, but they wouldn't reveal who it is, and it was scandalous to have a man on Themyscira. And the From Clay origin Famous Skira, come on. Whatever. Paradise Island is what it was originally <laughs> called. Oh, that's true, yes. But uh, I actually prefer, most people prefer the was made out of clay thing because that fits so much more in line with her origin as a Greco-Roman character. That is very in line with those myths. And I prefer that one. I'm on board. All right. Well, with that, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone for listening. If you have any constructive comments or suggestions, let us know. Drop us a line on the internet, on our Reddit page, on Facebook, on YouTube, Twitter at Legion of Myth, or on our Twitch TV channel. Uh, Mike assures us he will, we will like Wonder Woman. I believe him. He wouldn't lie to us. Uh, you can check out the audio version of this. Uh, download the podcast on iTunes, on Player FM, on Stitcher, TuneIn, or the LOM cast. And as always... If you want to support the Legion of Myth with a little donation, and why wouldn't you? You can always go and get our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com or at patreon.com slash legionofmyth. And of course, for the Patreon supporters, do not forget you can always check out our Legion of Myth After Dark streams 
where Max Leo plays some uh, games of a little more adult nature than you see in our normal streams. Nothing too naughty, but uh, <laughs> they're entertaining, I'll give you that. And always, thank you to our Patreon supporters, Hicks206, Elgarian, Alan51, Baldhart, and Heathendog. It is your support that puts smiles on our faces and allows us to keep bringing you this action multiple times a week. We thank you all. We appreciate you. At least some of this universe does, my friends. So anyway, just want to let everyone know, life's what you make of it. But you have one life. Live it well. Live it nerdy. And have a great journal of novels.